0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Men's Wellness Collective podcast. Um, I'm very excited about this episode um, because this is a very special one. Um, it is our first episode where we're all in the same room together. Yes, sir. <laughs> and not only are we together, but we are in my own basement. What a life.
1: Yeah. High school hangout, like, college vibes feel of, like, the boys get together in the basement to cook up you know, whatever content they're working on or a big hair brand ideas. So yes.
0: It's exciting, yeah it's, yeah. it's been it's been fun getting to see your space. Yeah, yeah. how would you describe my basement? Because I think it's cool, but what what do you guys think? It is, thinking?
2: I walked in, and every time I walk in the basement, I think of this is the real-life version of the set of that 70 <laughs> 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 that, that That's what it is. It's, it's, and it's amazing. It's, like, even better in, like, real life. Because <laughs> it's almost like, it is kind of like stepping through a portal because you don't see rooms... Like this. It's just... It's literally built different. It is the different. only way to describe it.
1: I would say vintage with... It's, it's just a vintage creative space. Mm. Is how I kind of picture it. You know, you got the old Nintendo here. Mm-hmm. The old school Nintendo. You got the wood panel walls. And then you guys have kind of created this space where... You have your artistic outlets and expressions scattered scattered about that I think create kind of just this yeah it's literally like this is where you know they talk about musicians like man I was recording in my mama's basement like Mm -hmm. this is this was what it feels like is like (laughs) this is the origin story of those creative moments in people's lives like man we were recording in the basement man like before we before
0: we made it yeah so yeah
1: I like it it just gives a a good energy about it yeah Yeah.
0: it's like very much yeah like playful of like let's just go hang out you know just whatever happens yeah Yeah. we've been in the
2: same room and the same place doing the same work together in different Mm contexts but like having this context and all of us in the same room same place feels similar and familiar yet new and different Mm -hmm. all at the same time yeah. Because we've never done this yeah. in the same room, in the same place, at the same time. At least we had a
0: special. podcast. We've yeah. had lots of conversations together. Yeah. Right. We'll this feels like the comp, like when we were doing the group together, mm-hmm.
1: that was like professional context. You know, we had our therapist hats on. Mm-hmm. This is like Dalen, Jordan, and Caleb slash Mookie are just being ourselves here. It's, yeah. There's a comfort of this. This. The group felt like colleagues. This feels like
0: friendship. You know what I
2: mean? I was just about to say, yeah, this feels... It's like perfect description. The boys just kicking it in the basement. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we have the dog with us. My dog is hanging out. Knocked out. Maybe. We'll get some sarcastic <laughs> sighs later on. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, uh, this episode we're going to kind of talk about all things IFS, um, Internal Family Systems. Um, for those of you that are unaware, it is a theoretical view of counseling where it's um, different parts of the selves, different versions of you kind of throughout time. They've been formed through a series of events. So when you hear about like inner child work, um, that's one of those main theories. But we just want to kind of talk about how we think of it as clinicians, clinicians, how we think of it as individual people who have done this work ourselves. And kind of let's just have a talk about it. Because we're all really pumped up and excited about it. So, yeah. uh man maybe to start us off like
1: share a little bit about your the inspiration cuz you hit us up the other day and was like i know the topic for the conversation <laughs> internal family systems inner child work being the person you needed as a child yeah like what were, where the inspiration for that yeah from?
2: so there's a this is kind of not tiktok it's reels instagram reels and there's been this song that's kind of been floating around reels for a while i'm like dog what is this song i try to find it on dsp's nowhere to be found And then yesterday, uh, or two days ago, whenever the song dropped, um, I was listening to the full version of the song. I'm like, wow, what a banger. So the song is called Time Will Fly by, I want to say his name right, Sam Tompkins. He's British, so I could be saying that wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, whatever Sam Tompkins with a British accent (laughs) sounds like, that's his actual name. (laughs) Um, And the song is kind of like him just talking to himself because he like started on the, he was like a street performer. Um, in England, specifically, street performers who sing are called buskers. So he was a busker on the on the underground. I'm gonna use as many British terms as I know, mm-hmm. just because I have an excuse to use them <laughs> <laughs> within contest. So
0: wow, you're so cultured. I'm so so cultured. Can't you
2: tell? But no, we have to
1: find ways to drop mate in here throughout yeah, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Well, my brother.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. Uh, go watch, go watch, go watch Top Boy on yeah. um, Netflix. It's uh, great. It's all
0: about Green Street Hooligans. Green Street Hooligans, yeah.
2: uh, <laughs> lock, stock, of and smoking barrels. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, anything with Jason Statham in it is kind of British. <laughs> in, any guy, except, any it, guy, Richie movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Except for anything he did with Fast and Furious. That is. is oh, did you do some of those? Jason Statham yeah, is in the Fast and like Furious oh. in, f- yeah. in several. Okay. Ones. And he's like somebody's brother or half brother yeah. or stepbrother. I gave up on those after Tokyo
1: Drift. i will be honest because it's like. How many times can we create the same exact movie basically? When they Apparently sent, 10 times. When ten they times sent
2: the a car into space. I think it was like a a, a car from like the 60s and not like a, like a Mustang or a yeah. Porsche or an Aston Martin. I think it was like a station wagon into space. <laughs> I was like, dog, no, these movies have lost all grasp on reality.
1: How far we've come.
2: Yeah, but you know, I think at this this point that's the point. Um but the song again it was, like it's Sam talking to himself about getting to the point. And there's a few key, key lyrics that like kind of struck out to me. He talks about you're gonna make friends and one will die. You're gonna fall in love a few times and it's gonna end and that's okay. And you're gonna be have times where you're depressed and that's okay. But like you're gonna cry and that's okay because it's gonna lead to one night when there's gonna be no pain. And I was like, that's a bar. Yeah. And then two thirds of the way through. The audio track stops, and he just like it's like him in an interview, probably in the studio, just having like, again yeah, people in the studio just chopping it up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. And he was like, I wish you could talk to our younger selves because you, he said something about becoming the man he needed so badly at that time, yeah. mm-hmm. but he's there for himself now. Yeah. And I don't know why, but that was just like, that's it. That's what we're going to talk about in the podcast. I think. For me, I listened to that song on repeat I think it's partially because it's a banger I think it's the best non-rap song I've heard in a decade mm. um, Secondly, I have ADHD And one of the things we do is when we find something We like, we hyper-focus right, So just, just play it on repeat um, And IFS is something that I've done in my own personal counseling work I've something I do as a clinician And I know the power of it right? Because you actually Can talk to your younger self it is a bit of a process, and we want to get into explaining a little bit about how our, the parts of ourselves not only show up, how they interact with each other, um, and long story short, how it could be beneficial to you by trying it. Yeah. So, a yeah. Um, little introduction to FS. Jordan, you want to dive into it?
1: I can start off, yeah. Um, I love breaking this down for, for clients because you really start like to see... The light bulbs go off when you kind of break down how this happens over time so <clears throat> uh, and, and you guys feel free to jump in and we'll kind of unpack it as we go through I like to start with core self right because if you think about it when we're children we all arrive with like kind of a natural set of or a desire to just express what's genuinely happening internally for us mm-hmm. there's a thought even though as an infant those thoughts aren't super complex but there's stuff happening in our brain and we're having emotions and we're having things and all a child does you know, we call it innocence but really if you think about it they're just expressing what they want genuinely in the moment Yeah. I want to touch that ball they go touch that ball I'm going to climb that ledge or on that couch I'm gonna, they just want to explore and when you look at that IFS we'll, maybe we'll link to one like in the show description of this the contents of the core self, like the common descriptions are things like confidence, um, exploration, adventure, calm. And it really, uh, oh yeah, it really sums up like the embodiment of a child. Yeah. The innocence of a child who is just putting out into the world who they feel the they, they are, are in moment that moment. By moment, yes. all the time. Right?
2: I think that's the key, the key thing right there is like moment to moment there isn't any um delay right it's just like reverse and it is instant gratification but it's like in the reverse and that like they're instantly themselves in their moment if they're happy they're happy if they're sad they're sad that's why like kids will go from like oh i want this thing in the store mom says no they have a absolute meltdown right and you're like what's going on with the kid nothing is going on with the kid they're just expressing how they feel Mm -hmm. in its purest form in its basis form Because they haven't yet learned to put dampeners or limiters on it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The example
1: that I use with clients a lot of times is like a four-year-old, five-year-old. They want to throw their head back and and laugh and sing as loud as they can. They're going to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember the story of me that my grandparents used to tell one time. I was playing in the yard. I had a pull-up on. I was probably like three years old all of a sudden the pull-up comes off and i'm just running around in the yard you know butt naked right (laughs) that's what i wanted to do and i wasn't inhibited by thoughts of how are people going to perceive me is this okay you know what are they going to think of me all those kinds of things because i was a kid and as adults i think that that's over time something that we kind of lose (laughs) and so the process of that um kind of shifting from core self into kind of the first realm of the internal family system's parts is the exiles, right? Mm. Where, okay, the child who is used to just expressing who they are moment by moment now starts to grow up and, and their scope of the world is larger. They start interacting with more people. They start going to school. Their parents now start to like place boundaries and rules upon them. And so now the... I want to sing and dance in the kindergarten classroom becomes the teacher saying hey hey cut that out sit down right you start getting this negative feedback that makes the child go whoa wait a second I was just being who I was yeah i was doing what I wanted to do someone didn't like that someone told me this was bad or someone told me this was inappropriate yeah or someone told me this was dumb or stupid or all the different messages a child gets And in that moment, the first, that's an example of an exile kind of being born. The parts of us that we want to be shown, we want to show ourselves out into the world, but because of a negative feedback that we got about who we were in that moment, now there's shame there. There's rejection, embarrassment, abandonment, feelings of not being good enough, or feelings of being bad, right? So the exiles is kind of like, the pro the the, not the problem area because there's no bad parts Mm -hmm. the uh
0: the area that holds all the pain of Mm -hmm. these
1: past experiences
0: and they're the hardest to find like they're the ones that are the most hidden you know they're they're the oldest ones those are the ones from childhood that you held on to from when you were six yeah that
1: yeah so from i'll stop talking and kind of turn over to you guys from a clinician standpoint because i think that's a good point Dalen like they're the hardest to find. How do you guys guide a client to identifying mm. those exiled parts of themselves? Or maybe on the flip side, from your own experience doing this work, how were you guided by your own therapist or through your own exploration to your exiles? How did you identify them?
2: Yeah. I think for me, um, I like learned IFS in class through a textbook. But I experienced it not directly initially in my own clinic. It was during my internship where I was sitting in with my supervisor and she began to talk about parts and inviting all the parts to the table. And I'm like, You could do that? <laughs> what 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 do you mean? Yeah. And so uh, the more the more she talked about it and the more I just listened to that session and took notes I'm like okay there's something here and so I like to construct for my clients first thing I construct is a safe space I call it a mind palace because I'm a giant nerd and everything refers back to something that's nerdy that I watch Mm -hmm. Sherlock Holmes the TV series on Netflix Benedict Cumberbatch goes into his mind palace when he has a difficult mystery to solve Mm. And actually, like, it's like, in, if you watch the show, he's literally transported to a different place. His physical body is somewhere, but his men, in his in his mind palace, he could be in multiple different places at multiple different times. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I like to construct the mind palace as a safe place for my clients, and then we construct the table. My table mm. is the round table because yeah. King Arthur Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, but I really I later realized in my own therapy that. My round table is round because everyone's equal at the round table. Mm -hmm. And one of my exiles that I had to, like, welcome to the table, I damn near had to drag bro into the room. Felt like I was never, ever, ever going to be equal to the people around me because I was born with a health condition. So automatically from Rip, day one, I was different than any of. I was different. So he never felt welcomed in the room because he was the thing that kept me different. Mm -hmm. He was... That part always felt like because I have this sickness, I'll never be like anyone else. Yeah. So what I like to do is, like, I help people construct their mind palace and their, like, central meeting place. Mm -hmm. Like, I've had people construct it as, like, they're in a park. And, like, instead of having a round table they have like a bench that's centrally located mm. and there's like a, sh- a light shining on it. And I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. who's sitting at the bench today? Yeah. I've had people like, that's cool, good. I've got this sunken 70s like living room and there is, no, there is no centrally located bench, but it's like a desk where all the problems live.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: so who's actually sitting at the desk with the problems? Yeah. Can your core self then go to the desk and sit next to the one Who's like looking through all the papers. I've had people construct like these large mahogany tables that just from end to end sit in this grand ballroom. And then we begin to say, okay, so who can you see around the table? Well, I can see my 17-year-old self. I can see my 10-year-old self. And then we slowly begin to welcome these parts of themselves into the room. And then when there's a feeling of shame, guilt, embarrassment, I zone in on that. That's evidence of the exile.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When is the first time you remember feeling that way? Yeah, it's fine. and it's one of two ways. Boom, there's a there's a memory that is sharp, distinct, yeah. and like vivid. <clears throat> or it's this explanation of like I don't know, it's always been there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. So this thing's been with you for a really long time. Yeah, I can remember when. Boom, one story. Boom, another Make story. Rattle Boom, off several. And then the then then it just starts to open up. Yeah. And then it's like I like to call it like the rev like the illumination moment. The light in the mind palace goes off and then all of a sudden that the parts of ourselves begin to come in from the shadow. Or they're already in the room. They're just making their presence known. Yeah. Love that. Damn. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Beautifully
0: said. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting, like I I call mine it's like the mind's eyes, but similar to the mind's palace. It's like that space in your mind that's safe and you can invite all the parts of you to show up. So for like me it's like just kind of like a white open space but there's like these doors where every one of my parts has their own space and their own room and so when we go in i open the door i'm like what does your space look like like what you know what do you need like and every part kind of has their own thing but then i I leave the door open and they're all free to go down the hallway into each other's rooms and hang out or hang out in the hallway with each other Mm. um which feels really cool because then like they all have exactly what they need yeah um and when I was going through this with my therapist, um, I initially didn't find an exile. There was another part that was protecting that exile. So mm-hmm. we had to get permission from that part who was like – "He, uh, well, I'm like – I don't usually see, like, actual people. I see, like, imagery stuff. Yeah. So I was seeing, like, this dark cloud kind of covering everything. And so getting to talk to him, it was like, well, why are you like this? It's like, well, I have to protect – like, this child and this, like, little tiny kid, like, came out of the shadows, and it was like, oh, Shit. and, like, it was, like, a seven-year-old version of me that I'd <clears throat> kind of forgotten about, and he was, like, I'm just scared and alone and, like, just sad, and, yeah. but this, like, part was covering it up, so, like, he didn't have to, or, like, if no one could see the sadness, then it wasn't real, yeah but he was there anyway, so it was, like, with this part's, like, permission of, like, hey, like, we want to make this better, and, like, we want you to be a part of it, and we kind of gave that protector part like a different role so he wasn't therefore protecting um my exile part
2: which is which is a great segue to talking about the protective part right yeah the protective part is just it is it's that it's a protector like a wound or rupture or something Mm -hmm. has occurred that's causing you to feel pain and the protective part says oh this is not good right Mm -hmm. we have to prevent this from happening again right that's actually normal right your protector is doing its job Mm -hmm. however in cases of trauma in cases of abandonment and in cases of just like an unhealed wound because we don't want to ascribe everything to trauma sometimes it's just an unhealed wound right Mm -hmm. it's like your parents saying they were disappointing in you and like never getting that like reconciliation right? Right. and it might have been something over like grades something inconsequential in the beginning mm-hmm. but that unhealed that wound went unhealed and your protective part goes ah, uh-uh, not anymore mm-hmm. so then they, they, they begin to work and they're doing their job from protecting you then they begin to work too much <laughs> and they protect you from feeling anything. Different.
0: Yeah. Or they'll like they'll take up an extreme role. You know, yeah. it'll start off by doing something that's like pretty harmless of like, oh well, we'll you know protect you from other people saying bad things about you so like we're gonna say those things to you i think there's one i get from my clients all the time it's like they have that overly critical part of them because uh, self-critic yeah that self-critic that is really someone else's voice but it's like oh if i tell it to myself then it doesn't hurt as bad. then it doesn't hurt as bad it's like but then that part is overworking and you really believe it and then you forget that that exile's there and all you hear is that critic part
1: yeah yeah I another way I think about um the protector or the manager is like these are the masks, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, I always picture um it's it's so crazy like the how how uh metaphorical and symbolic this work is and the images that we come up with and help our clients come up with. So and we all have different ones like my room, my space is a conference room, mm-hmm. right? So, I picture my core self, who's like, should be at the head of the table, right? That's who I want to kind of be in charge. I want yeah. the majority of my life's, you know, decisions, behaviors, actions, you know, feelings coming from this core self. So, he's the CEO. Then you have the protectors over here, who are like your, your grinders. Mm-hmm. Like, in my mind, they're the guys who are coming in at 7, staying until 6 p.m., like, home late for dinner missing you know bedtime with the kids and everything like they're putting in the work and then my exiles are like these these like new people like off in the corner like they want to say something they have this new perspective to give but they're not confident in themselves so like Mm -hmm. they're not even a lot of times they're not even sitting at the table they're in the room but they're kind of like you know Mm -hmm. hidden off in a corner somewhere and so a way i think about it is like those managers are the masks for me they're the masks i put on yeah that my exile one of mine for example is like this feeling of not being good enough that i'm always you know i have to keep improving keep growing all the time and even if i do everything right someone will have something to say it's kind of like this repetitive thought in my Mm -hmm. mind so my exile is not good enough and so the mask that i put on to shield myself at times and even other people's okay well I want to avoid that feeling of being made to feel like I'm not good enough by trying to do everything really really good Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that's my mask this high achiever almost perfectionist self that's like if I can just do everything right I can prevent anyone from ever having a bad thing to say about me and I'll never have to address that exile and Mm -hmm. that feeling of not being good enough Mm -hmm. right
2: Yeah. so it's
1: it's this mask it's this false self do I really want to probably do half the shit that I do like the mundane things because like well I have to do it I have to do it well I have to do it right probably not but I just don't want to give someone something bad they could say about yeah. me so that that exile feels that ooh,
2: yeah. That, yeah. that hurt yeah. yeah that that's I love how you said that because for me I had a very very difficult time identifying my core self because there was a much much bigger presence in the room that um, kind of functioned as something like a manager, Mm -hmm. right? And I call him Ideal Caleb. And like you kind of see a more figures, you see parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. This was probably the most defined self I had in any of my identities. And Ideal Caleb was very specific. 6'2", broad shoulders, wore a Tom Ford ash gray suit, wore with um... The Tom Ford Tuscan Leather scent. He had a gold pinky ring and a diamond. Um, it's a diamond encrusted Rolex Presidential um, Daytona Day Date. And then he wore. There's a pair of uh, limited edition shoes that were released from James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's he- crazy is you've literally described this on the podcast on the previous episode.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes. and. I know how, like, ingrained and specific that image was because it's the exact same it's, thing. Like, if we I'm went back ta- and played that episode, it's, it's, you it's, said that exact same thing.
2: But Ideal Caleb walks in the room and is able to control every situation. He's able to be anything and everything to anyone and everyone because, and this was a recent revelation I made, the reason Ideal Caleb existed is because he is the embodiment of having control yeah. in a life where I felt I had none. Mm-hmm. I was born with a death sentence. Being born with sickle cell in Africa was literally like, here's your birth certificate, here's your death sentence. So I had no control over that. Mm-hmm. So like, ideal Caleb became this manifestation of just like, he can do anything and he can be anyone. It was like be- a superhero. Be- exactly. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But he was managing for me um, the fact that I felt like I had no control in my life right. I had no control over my body. this thing just existed inside me yeah. and because it was inside <laughs> me, I had no control over my playing sports mm-hmm. like I couldn't I couldn't do anything literally like my entire f- functioning as a body like like my lungs didn't quite develop to the way they were supposed to be. I'm supposed to be taller, about two inches in every direction so oh. I was like I was robbed of something Mm. and so it all went into ideal Caleb so anytime that I felt like I wasn't good enough he became not the protector because my protector showed up in different ways he became the manager of like managing like Mm -hmm. okay if I just work hard enough in this area particularly in the area of relationships ideal caleb can come to the front and like bring a little bravado and confidence and girls like confidence in a man yeah. so like that's it's when like, he would show up and i would notice and i'm like oh cool it's almost like what would ideal caleb do what would what yeah. would ideal caleb do yeah. is a question i would say to myself so many times and there would be times where i'm like dog what are you doing you're not being yourself and mm-hmm. then like there'd be like there sometimes when the relationship would progress and then like i'd kind of drop the mask and then i'd just be like regular caleb like where's this Where goofy anime loving <laughs> nerd been yeah. the entire relationship
0: I like he didn't think you would like him man
2: yeah and so, I think yeah, okay. yeah.
1: yeah
0: and yeah and that's just I think so true of like yeah if you're letting these other parts of you take over like it's not the genuine you it's not the core self and it's I think only so long that you can keep that mask up yeah. cause like you know he thinks he can show up 24 hours a day but like he can't yeah uh, other parts of you're going to show up and take over but like the self can kind of always be there like if you let it they can kind of train it to yeah. um yeah what were well, you yeah. gonna say
1: i was gonna kind of ask you a question both mm-hmm. of you but i wanted to hear from dalen first so you both kind of gave examples of your protectors yours was like this cloud mm-hmm. right, hovering over this seven-year-old exile of yours who's mm-hmm. scared and alone right mm-hmm. You, one of your managers the manager was this ideal Caleb and with managers and the protective parts we always adopt these as like coping mechanisms and defense mechanisms to protect our exiles with the assumption that they can always do it mm-hmm. right? so I was curious when you were like when you said ideal Caleb can control everything in my mind I was like until he can't and mm. then what happens so I was gonna ask you all cause that's kind of leads into the final on that IFS wheel that final section is the firefighters Mm like the the crisis management parts of us that come in when our masks managers protectors fail so I was just gonna ask you Mm -hmm. first Dale, of like did that cloud ever not do its job did the exile kind of ever peek out or someone caught wind of the exile and noticed it or got too close and what were the parts of you that would step in in those moments yeah to kind of yeah the fire
0: so i think when i was first going back to therapy to the most most recent therapist we were doing ifs uh there were kind of two parts um and i imagined them kind of like uh there was like a smoke monster and like a lightning monster in like the disney hercules cartoon Mm -hmm. okay and and they looked like them yeah um and it was kind of like these little henchmen yeah those guys those two guys but I think it was like the titans yeah talk about the titans it looked like the titans the titans with the clam of Mount Olympus. yeah so that was kind of what I imagined and they were my like impulsive just spur the moment I want to do anything that makes me feel good now which Mm -hmm. kind of turned it a lot of to my porn use I just Mm -hmm. felt alone and it was like well you know what we can do right now to make us feel good
2: Yeah, yeah this
0: is always there or it's you know the drinking and the socializing they're kind of like those you know anything to just make me feel good in the moment so I didn't have to feel that aloneness yeah so they would kind of step in before I took over so it was kind of dealing with them and then that other like cloud so it was lots of like darkness yeah. over that yeah um so yeah like they were there um and like I still see him kind of show up sometimes and it's just like but now that we've like had those conversations and we've dealt with that it's much easier to like Recognize them and therefore talk to them and be like, "Hey, like we know what we're doing." Like, or if it's like, I know why they're showing up. It's because I feel alone or I feel sad. So then I actually deal with that versus letting them just run over. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love
1: that, right? Because like, firefight those parts are our crisis management teams. Mm-hmm. They want to create distance. At least how that's how I kind of conceptualize it and describe it to clients. Like, the exiles at risk of being spotted or being found out right mm-hmm. so the shame's creeping up or the sadness or the loneliness or mm-hmm. whatever it is and those parts are our crisis management team and they want to create distance and separation for whatever stimulus caused the yeah. exile like to feel that vulnerable yeah. and they can do so in two main ways one way is kind of what you described mm-hmm. it and it's kind of like escape or distraction mm-hmm. let's numb out to the feeling and that looks like binging it looks like drugs and alcohol it can be TV addiction, it could be porn use, it could mm-hmm. be whatever, and then the other way which is the one I typically fell victim to is aggressive, like direct, if I can't escape the feeling that the exile, I'm gonna push the stimulus away Yeah. Mm-hmm. so if the stimulus has made me feel like what would happen a lot for me is like, oh, something's happened here to make me feel not good enough I'm going to go on the attack mode now, and I'm gonna critique you so that you want to run away, yeah. basically. So that then I can kind of retreat into my exile. And be like, okay, you all right? They almost saw you. Like, mm-hmm. they were on to you. We're good now. <laughs> I made them go away. Mm-hmm. But then that would, like, ruin a lot of relationships. <laughs> and over yeah. time, like, make people feel kind of like just as small as I yeah. did yeah. in those moments. So that's been something I still really battle with is my tendency to... When I feel critiqued, and key word when I feel critiqued, mm. not always mm-hmm. necessarily when you being being critiqued, yeah, but I feel it. It's well. Let's compare what. Let's compare me to you then. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. that defensiveness of like. I guarantee, my mask has been better than your mask. <laughs> my over, I can overachieve more than you have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that would create a lot of problems. Yeah, you know, for me.
2: I, I'm. I, this is a part that is again this part hasn't had to work because Ideal Caleb has been so damn good at his job <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean yeah. the reason he's so good at his job is because he's been doing it the longest mm, yeah. protective parts started coming up when I was probably like probably started at seven but I would say Ideal Caleb, even though I didn't have that personification of him, mm-hmm. he's been there since day one because yeah. he's had to be. right? Mm-hmm. And this new part, my crisis manager part, came in actually when I started doing therapy. It came in because it was. Like going
0: to therapy or?
2: Right. Yeah, when I started going to therapy. Okay. Um, I would say it's, it's when I became aware of him because it's, it, it's, he's been around longer and he's, it's been doing its job by trying to earn its place Mm -hmm. the crisis manager for me is like okay um the ruse of ideal caleb hasn't worked right Uh they've seen through the mask he's not gonna he's not gonna be able to manage this he can't get the job done and the protector is not working right now so then it's just like i cool you know you just gotta do the work earn their love earn their affection earn their pride or you just gotta earn it and then i end up overworking myself yeah
1: I don't want to use too strong of a word but it sounds kind of in kind of in line with like binging or or addiction it sounds like like the obsessing of do the work kind of takes over in that moment for you of like okay I don't want to sit with the feeling of ooh I kind of ideal Caleb didn't work and maybe I'm not feeling good enough let me just let me not deal with that Maybe just pour into the work. Yeah, and what that means. Yeah,
2: and 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 that has poured. I definitely in. do that too. Now
1: that I, think about it. <laughs> I just discovered another firefighter yep. who's like
2: obsessed over being better. That right there, mm-hmm. I think that was like the primary one because it was always like um, living in someone else's shadow, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, I'm not gonna go there. I think that's a little too personal, but like there are people in my life who I'm just like, can you do anything wrong? Of course they do, Mm -hmm. they do damn near everything wrong. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't see it that way because there was this comparative, there was this comparative element to my brokenness. Mm -hmm. There was this comparative element to my nothingness, my weakness, my meekness, if you will, right? It's like, how come he's so good at it, right? So it was like, I just gotta work harder. I just got to eat better. I got to go to the gym more. I got to stay up and study longer. I got to be a better listener. I got to be a better boyfriend. And if I work hard enough, I'll get the grades. I'll get the friendships. I'll get her to love me back. Mm. Mm -hmm. If I show her how good I am, she'll want to be with me. If I show dad how hard I worked, approve of me if i show how good of a friend i am they'll welcome me into the friend group so it just became about how much can i do and specifically it became about earning recognition in order to avoid disappointment because disappointment was like the like you could say all this stuff to my face that if it didn't click it didn't click i'll sit there and laugh at you but if i felt like someone i cared about was disappointed in me that was unbearable That's the exam, yeah. that that was unbearable that was the thing that shook me to my core and that's when it was just like the protector was activated like ideal caleb put on a suit like like iron man in the in the third movie just like whew, we got it on we got to go to work yeah. and then my 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 manager would get to work. He'd put on the Iron Man suit and then get to work, and it wasn't working. So then this part kind of evolved like, okay, well, what do you got to do, right? What did you do that made them disappointed? Okay, do it better next time. Because if you do it better next time, then they won't be disappointed. So it really turned into me creating this narrative that actually just was all about outworking everyone if I'm the best, then you can't be disappointed in me. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's interesting, because I think my, and I think I'm just now realizing that it's kind of serving the same purpose of my protector, of not wanting to be alone, is to be liked. So it's, can I be funnier? Can I be nicer? Can I be more accommodating? Can I be more helpful? Ah. um, You know, that's kind of always what it is. Um, yeah, Yeah. So,
1: I'm very logical and analytical, so mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, Okay. Well, walking walking this back reverse engineering this mm-hmm. we had the exile because in a moment where we showed who we were and got negative feedback we were wounded in order to protect the wounds we developed these masks and managers to keep us safe and when those fail then we have these sort of more impulsive crisis management parts that come into play mm-hmm. and The IFS kind of mantra is No bad parts Mm -hmm. So they all serve a purpose However when they become unmanageable Or kind of out of hand How do we reverse engineer it And in my mind I hope clients kind of realize this Well we want to Allow the crisis managers To not have to Come put out the crisis Well how do we do that Well we get to a point where our protectors Aren't working so hard to, uh, to protect the exiles. Well, then what would make them not work so hard? Well, we have to reduce the shame around the exiles to the point where we don't need to work as hard to protect them because we're comfortable with them coming out again and mm-hmm. kind of coming out to play. And it goes back to that guy's song and the quote, rescuing the inner child, rescuing yeah. the exiles, going back and talking to those younger parts of yourself who you mm-hmm. needed to hear something in a moment where they felt shame, but instead they didn't and they got kind of locked up in that shame. Mm-hmm. What was that process like for you all to like go back and <laughs> pinpoint those moments and kind of rescue those inner parts, those inner there's those inner exiles, those mm-hmm. inner children.
0: In it feels like I don't know, like the knots like in your chest are becoming untangled and you can see the clear, like everything's like a clear line again. And it's like, or like the pieces are coming together and like you feel more whole. You're like, oh, that's what I'm like. Or it's like, that's how it all works. And so it just feels, it's like very clear. And I think it's cool. Once you kind of open up those pathways and start to see those things and make those connections, like you can go back and revisit them and have those conversations again with yourself. So, like, one thing that my therapist and I always worked on is, like, um, you know, every, every one of my parts has, like, their room and their space, and it's like, okay, I'm going to give you, like, a way to communicate to me. It's like, do you want a phone? Do you want a walkie-talkie? Do you want a can on a string? Like, what do you want for when you need me and me to come back that you can communicate to me? So it's like that they're always there, and I kind of just go in and check in and I'm like, hey, how are things? Or if it's like, you know, I'm, like, down here playing Lego or doing something very childish, like, I... Try to think of like you know my inner child. There, it's like you're here with me. Like we're getting to play together. Yeah. And so it's yeah. like, it's a continuous relationship, kind of like anything else in life. It's like, you have to maintain and like continue to do those. Because if you see your ex, like talk to your exile and you know apologize and make all these means, that's amazing. But then if you just put him back in the dark and forget about it, you, you kind of just felt backwards. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember either of you
1: like the that that first moment where like. You had that reconnection with the in an exile, and what that you kind of described already, yeah. and Dylan, It felt like the, the knots untangling or something. But do you recall? Did it take place in a therapy session? And like, what did you? I guess what did you say? Yeah. How were? How did you show up for that part of you? Yeah, you know,
2: I can't remember if it was in a therapy session or uh, it was just um, the cool part about having friends that are therapists. Is that you basically get free therapy without <laughs> without really knowing it yeah i can't i literally I cannot remember who I was talking to about this, but um one of the biggest moments of like reveal having that release, having that exchange that like was good but was so tough was there was a time that I was. This was right before I left Africa. I must... It was, like, primary six. I think it was, like, fourth grade is the equivalent. Primary six is, like, fourth grade, I think. I, uh... Nigeria goes by the British school system, right? So there's first in the class and last in the class. And that year, I just really, really struggled with school. I think I was, like, second to last or third to last. But I was, like, towards the bottom of the class. And I had... At least this is the narrative I was this is the narrative I was telling myself and this is the narrative I was believed and this was some of the messaging that was actually there around me is that you have parents, grandparents, uncles, tutors, you have all the resources in the world. There's no reason why you should be this low in the mm-hmm. class. And I knew that. And when I saw my grade in school, I was just like, I'm I'm gonna let everyone down. I'm gonna be just like everyone's gonna be so disappointed in me. But my grandma is gonna be the one who's the biggest, she's going to be the one who's be the most disappointed in me because she worked with me that year to just get yeah, the grades, out. right? Yeah. The driver came, picked me up, and I'm pretty, like, at this point, everyone knows me as the rambunctious kid. I'm pretty loud. He picked me up, and I was dead silent. Yeah. And he's, like, trying to talk to me in the back seat, and I'm just, like, freaking out internally. My like, Grandma's going to beat the brakes off of me. She's going to be so disappointed in me. Why can't I just pay attention? Why didn't I do... Why I was just questioning myself, and we get to the house. He pulls into the he pulls into the driveway. He's like, "Yo, you gotta go inside." And I'm literally sitting in the back seat on the floorboard, just like trying to hide. I did not want to get out of the back seat of that car. And he's like, "Yo, whatever it is, not that bad. You gotta come out." So I go in, and like I'm shaking. First thing, Grandma's like. School's over. Where's your grade card? I show it to her and she's just like, What? What is this? She's like, Okay. So it was as bad as I thought it would be and not as bad as I would. Have. For me, the moment of like release was like going back to that exact same moment and sitting in the back seat of a car with that self and being like, hey buddy what's going on and being able to sit in the backseat of that car with all my tools um being in a healthy place um it's funny that i I thought i was in a healthy place i was actually literally dying Mm -hmm. this was when i was i didn't know i was i was i had type 1 diabetes and i was like my systems were beginning to fail So in in, in what I thought was one of the Healthiest parts of my life Mm -hmm. Physically I was exactly Where that kid was Oh
1: shit!
2: Mm. Helpless Powerless and I didn't even know I was Dying But he felt like he was gonna die Mm -hmm. He felt all that Pressure so It was kind of serendipitous That like that was when I went and rescued That kid because like The image I have is like it wasn't we call him Marlon O'Brien. Um, he was, he was my, my grandma's driver. He didn't come around and like open the car door and tell me to get out. I, as my mature self, my adult self, was able to open the car door and hold my younger self hand in hand. And we were able to walk into the house together. That was such a redemptive moment for me, mm-hmm. because it was one of like the strongest and most vivid memories I have. But it was also one of the last few memories that I can remember so deeply from being in Africa. Because so I think I moved to America like the next year.
1: Damn, yeah. mm-hmm. that's dope. it's yeah. really cool. Always like, I always like uh, I always liked that moment where I, you know you walk a client through that, mm-hmm. and the different reactions sometimes. And I like to have them role model it and like literally say it out loud you close your eyes and picture them, that version of you what do you want to say what would you do and it's super emotional for them oftentimes and uh i remember for me when i <clears throat> there's uh what's interesting is the, the the time i rescued myself for the first time that I felt the most powerful was actually not my inner child it was it related to my inner child. I I later came to find that out that it tied back to childhood. But it was after my divorce. And so it was almost this 26-year-old adult fully formed brain version of me who in so many ways felt like a little kid who was I literally pictured this image of like the feeling of rejection when my marriage failed and all that went into that. I felt like a kid on the playground who like, walked up to the group of kids playing four square or something. I was like, hey guys, can I play? I've been practicing my four square skills. I can do this, I can do that. I'm really good. I've been working for this moment. Can I join? And it was like, nah. And I felt like, man, I put all that into this. When is, some I remember that thought of like, when is somebody gonna just see me for me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in a therapy session in that moment and, and talking to a 26 year old version of me who was in the body language, looking very much like a little kid okay. off in the corner kind of like, you know, when the knees are on the ground, or the feet are planted on the ground, but the knees are up, so? and you're kind of wrapping yourself around <laughs> your knees, kind of like, oh, man. And that was the image I saw, and I went and picked that dude up, I was like, man, I got you, and there are people in your life that see you for you. Yeah. Definitely. And that, I think, was like the first moment of the doors being blown off the hinges to then open up to like oh I've always felt like this Mm. I've always felt like if you strip away the accolades or the basketball skills or the grades or all this other stuff that I tried to be really good at to be accepted and would what remain be acceptable to whether it was mom or dad or a girl or my friends or my teammates. And I never, probably until like four to five years ago, really felt like that answer would be, yeah, there are people out there that would really like that despite everything. We never achieved another thing again. Mm -hmm. And that was like the moment for me that like allowed me to really dive deeper into the childhood stuff.
0: Are you guys able to like have kind of those conversations with yourself, like outside of the therapy session, just like oh. at home alone? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I kind
2: of do that on a regular check-in now. Um, I think I've talked about like one of my ways to go into that space is to do something that feels almost automatic. Um, for me, that's Skyrim. It's why I have like eight thousand hours in that game literally play that game with my eyes closed um so i'll i'll I'll, like it's usually like when i i'm preparing myself for something difficult or i've just come out of something difficult um this is when i have to construct the whole mind palace and everything Mm -hmm. i'll turn on skyrim i'll pick a character i'll put it on the hardest difficulty so it literally just becomes like a bullet sponge you're just whacking away at monsters and you just gotta chip away at their health but because that's such an automatic thing, I don't have to think about it, I just do it in the presence. My mind is able to wander. Mm-hmm. And I go straight into the mind palace. And then like it's uh, it's almost automatic. It's about seven minutes in the gameplay that I forget I'm playing a game. Mm-hmm. And I just find myself in the mind palace. And then usually there's three or four parts already at the table. And then I arrive and it's just like oh, what's going on Chief? Mm-hmm. Who's yeah. missing? and that's what I love about the way my mind palace is constructed it's because it's a round table everyone, everyone's seen see. so when someone's not there it's, a, it's, it's like okay who's missing from the round table yeah. mm-hmm. why are they missing what's going on in Caleb's life that this version of Caleb feels like they're not welcome at the table mm-hmm. and sometimes they're not that far they're just like outside the door like peeking in like Is it cool if I come in? Sometimes they're in a totally different part of the mind palace. Mm -hmm. And usually when I go find them wherever they are in the mind palace, there's usually an item or a thing close to them that becomes a manifestation of whatever I'm dealing with. Usually it's a book. And I'm like, why are you reading this book? And the books are like memories. Remember this one time we struggled with this one thing and this mercy made us feel like we weren't good enough?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That's what I'm feeling it's right now. Up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think for me,
1: uh, one of the things I've been really fortunate to do that I've learned when working with clients is really hard for a lot of people because they've identified with the other parts so long that the core self component is really tough for them yeah. to identify. Mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough, I don't know if it's because I quote-unquote worked hard enough at it and told myself I had to or or how, but I've really... I went through a process of deconstructing all the masks that I put on, thinking I have to mm-hmm. do this to be good enough. And so I kind of went down this rabbit hole years ago about, like, okay, wh- who are you? Oh, I'm a therapist. Well, like, no, you're not, because if I quit my job today, I wouldn't vanish into thin air, so I'm not that. Well, I'm a, I'm a basketball player. I'm a former athlete. I'm a brother. Like, I stripped away everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, what remains if... Everyone and everything that I like to do and everyone that I love vanishes tomorrow. What's left? Mm-hmm. And I was able to hit two points for me that's, could that sums up my core self. Connection and understanding. Mm. That's it.
2: Mm.
1: That's, why, that's what I want out of this human existence. Connection and understanding. So for me, the conversations I have with myself whenever the, my different parts flare up, typically revolve around okay how do i bring core self back if it's the conference room the firefighters and the exiles and the managers have like taken over the meeting and they're all shouting and like no we got to do this no we got to do that and core self is like it knows my brand it represents who i am it represents the company's goals and missions and everything Mm -hmm. so for me it's like how do I get core self back in control of the conference room Mm. so that he can steer me in the right direction of how to like navigate the situation And those two things connection and understanding always point the way for me Mm. so typically if my parts are flared up I'm able to talk myself down of like I either don't understand something I don't understand why someone's not accepting me or I don't understand why I'm doing something so I'm frustrated and my parts flaring up you're not doing good enough because you can't figure this out or I don't feel connected to a person or or something like I want to be there's distance here oh you gotta work harder so you can create that distance or you know close that gap Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so the parts flare up again if I can boil it back down to core self just wants more connection and understanding how do I get that in a healthy way that always kind of brings me back down to earth and points me in the right direction so yeah that's how I do it
0: that's really cool I think I've can kind of do it sometimes Mookie like you of like where I'm doing something that's just like automatic like yard work's always one driving's one where you can just like kind of let your mind wander and stuff come up but like if I want to get like deep and intentional and like kind of have like that sit down come to Jesus moment of like all right like what the fuck are you doing like (laughs) it's like I have to like be in silence like alone like I'll sit on the couch I'll take a bath and like really like close my eyes and kind of go into that meditative state of like okay like you, you, <laughs> what have you been doing? Why are like, and it's like, not, but like, okay. Like we're going to sit and we're going to talk about this. Like, why, why are you coming up? Like, w- you know, and like, eh, we always go back, my therapist and I was like, how old is this part? What was going on yeah. when they showed up and what is going on now? That's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because like, I did this, I probably like last week I was, I was just in a weird headspace and I was trying to figure out why. And I was kind of recognized. Probably like my twenty three year old part was showing up who was just also had just graduated and didn't feel like he knew what he was doing and was freaking out about everything. And so like
1: history repeats.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> history was kinda of repeating and it was like, Oh, that's what it is and so it was like me as like my current self was able to be like like I understand why you feel this way, but like we've got this. Like, we finished school. We don't need to think that we're not smart enough or all these things and like we have a job and we have this and like just kinda like was able to like soothe myself in that way of like but it was like I had to like sit and like really be intentional about having the conversation because you know, that guy was just showing up and being like loud and obnoxious for like a day and a half and I was like, All right, no more. Yeah. Like we're we're gonna talk about this. Yeah.
2: That's really that's really cool that you put it that way because I think for me, Skyrim is where I go when I need to do the deep work because mm-hmm. I I need to identify which part of myself is missing from the round table.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I didn't connect two to two until just now mm-hmm. when I told that story about sitting in the back seat of my car, because when I need to do this, the, this not the shallow, but like the top level work and mm-hmm. then the medium level work, it's usually in my car, mm-hmm. listening oh. to music, mm-hmm. cruising by myself. And often, the part of me that I need to work with. Is riding shotgun, yeah, and then if it's a deeper part, they're in the backseat, back yeah. And somehow, there's That's always tough. music. Um, there's either a, like a music is putting me in the mood where I need to feel something. Shout out to Frank Ocean, ah man, I'm that man, <laughs> Frank Ocean's music, usually, like, especially like swim good, yeah swim good, good like song. that song is really good I do I've done a lot of self therapy to like that song <laughs> just like even just like the imagery of just like there's a part of myself in the trunk screaming yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. so it's usually like this isn't like the deep level work or I need to like sit down and process and go find that self it's just like yo you're know, speaking up a little bit louder right now or like you're unusually quiet right now it's going down yeah. I right, cool throw on a hoodie throw on basketball shorts pull on slides you're gonna maybe I'm just going to, like, maybe drive mm-hmm. to the city, from the city. The The stretch of road I like the most is K-10 between my parents' crib and Lawrence because mm-hmm. it's just a straight, straight line. Shot, mm-hmm. It's a straight line. Um, sometimes cool. I'll post an Instagram, reel you know, like, <laughs> I almost drove the kid. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, it's time to think. Just get in the car <laughs> and just drive.
0: Yeah, speaking of driving to Kansas, I did that one time in college. I uh, was kind of forced to quit my uh, uh, officer position in fraternity. And I just like turned my phone off and like drove uh, and got in the car and got on the highway and went north and then realized that I drove all the way to Kansas. I so, was like, I should turn around and maybe turn my <laughs> phone back on and get back. But yeah, it was just, you know, driving is always one of those things that's like you can just let your mind wander and yeah. kind of be with yourself um, without it being like super uncomfortable. Because I, I talked about this like I think last time. It was like I just kind of got comfortable of like being alone mm. for the first time in a while, of like in silence. Um, so I think it's really hard. We don't ever do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe a
1: last point to kind of bring it home is w- when you guys have been going through this process, either with clients or for yourself, what have you seen as some of the barriers to maybe unlocking or identifying
2: some of these parts, and, and how do you work through those barriers? Yeah. I think one of the first barriers you run into is an overactive part mm-hmm. be an overactive manager or a overactive protector. protector um, and the thing you have to do there then is talk to that part mm-hmm. because there's a reason that part is overworking mm-hmm. um, and so I like to call it as kind of like tending to the garden you got to get through that topsoil first before you get to like the bottom but, like, when you clear that topsoil, particularly in, in therapy, like, you get through the surface level stuff, it makes room for the things that have been really buried underground to come up. So, I've noticed that usually, like, if the core self isn't identifiable. You have an overactive manager that's just trying to make sure everything stays the same or an overactive protector that doesn't want you to feel pain. Yeah. But then once you talk to that partner and be like, hey, listen, I don't need trying to protect me from feeling pain feeling pain is how we get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that is that is a really good answer to your an, an overprotective part. Yeah, making
1: space and validating like you're you're doing a good job. Your job like you're well intentioned. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at you. Like you don't shame that part. Exactly. You you help it, you help it realize that like while I appreciate your efforts take a break like we don't need that right now you don't We don't need that right now take take
0: a seat we will call you in i'll tap you yeah. in when you're ready <laughs> i think one way i've found with that is like if one job is kind of overworking and hurting either the rest of you or another part have the part that is hurting come in and tell it that of like Ooh. like you know have that exile show up and it's like you shamed me and forced me like to do whatever and like here's how you hurt me and so it's like you don't have to do as much. Like it's like your parts are kind of having that conversation and they're healing themselves, Yeah. but you're empowering, you know, that exile, that other part of you to speak up for itself. And then that, uh, you know, the manager, the firefighter is like, Oh, I, you know, I didn't mean to hurt you. Like I'm really sorry. It's like, okay, great. How can we give you another role that's still serving the same function? Because the function you're doing is ultimately good. It's trying to protect you. It's trying to do something, but it's, you've just, you just need to kind of tweak it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one thing I like doing. Yeah, like
1: coaching your parts
0: almost. Yeah. So yeah.
1: How do I put these parts of me in the best positions to win the game? Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: I yeah. like that.
2: Yeah, it's dope. yeah. I like to, I like to rationalize the problem, not in a dismissive way, right? But I try to like, because my my thing is especially when my parts get overactive is i have this two-step process of taking a problem and magnifying it and then in, in in clinical terms when you magnify a problem is you zoom in on it you focus on it you make it bigger than it is yeah and then i catastrophize mm-hmm. so i take a problem i make it into the biggest problem that i have and then i think about the worst possible scenario and i live in that reality yeah right um yeah so that's the reality so I then have to like invite my manager my protective parts and my little my little exiles to the table and I'm like all right, cool this is the problem yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
2: what is what is actually going on and then we reverse engineer what is at the core of the problem yeah and then usually when we do that like by the time I've reversed engineered it to the point where I'm like why did we magnify this in the first place? <laughs> I like, And all the parts kind of just stop and look at each other through on the I table like, dog, I might be tripping. And we all have a good laugh and then we just kind of like, and then we settle and we say, okay, cool, we magnified yeah. it because you, 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 and you always felt like even when you made a small mistake, it was the end of the world because you lived in a world where you were delicate Fabergé egg Pretty to look at, but if anybody handled you too roughly, you might break. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you just never <laughs> felt like you could get what you want because you, yeah, everything could, felt high stakes. Everything too. was so high stakes. Right. Therefore, any small problem becomes a big problem, and a big problem you have to live in the ultimate reality of like, dog, death was a reality for you, yeah. and mm-hmm. that was like the ultimate like worst case scenario. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, we're just if we fell in line. We knew what this was. The more I do it, the easier it becomes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, it's a five-minute conversation, but this went from like being 10-day conversations to two-day conversations mm-hmm. to 12-hour conversations. Now I can do this in 30 seconds. Yeah. it's good growth. Yeah. I think probably
1: my biggest barrier, and I kind of alluded to it a little earlier when I talked about my, the process that I have to go through to kind of reel things in and get back to core self, one of my biggest barriers and barriers I see a lot of clients deal with is over identifying with one part. Yeah. Mm. The feeling that my manager's part is me, right? Is all of me. Mm-hmm. And confusing core self with these other parts of you. Yeah. And um, something that at least worked for me that I try to get clients to do is that deep dive of like almost a deconstruction. Okay. You think you're these things, you think you. Mm-hmm. Is the mask that gets good grades and the mask mm-hmm. that like tries to overachieve or the mask that's the people pleaser in you that's like, well, I just like to take care of people. That's who I am. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's strip all of that down and deconstruct like, what is the essence? What is left when it's just you mm-hmm. and your car on that drive to Kansas? Mm-hmm. There's no one around for you to take care of. There's no role to be played. There's no tasks to be done. What is left? Like, what do you naturally gravitate towards? What do you naturally yearn for or thirst after? And most of the time, that process is scary for clients. I will disclaimer that. Like, that, you have to kind of be in a place where you're kind of ready to, like, break yourself down. To say, no, I'm not father, brother, therapist, like these kind mm-hmm. of worldly roles I'll say worldly because I can't think of a better word societal roles I'm um, societal roles like I'm something else I'm what remains if all that were to change or go away and that can be jarring for people because it's like okay there's no footing here <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's almost like I'm nothing to to actually define what I am but when they are able to do that and you can kind of guide them and stick with them through that process i've found it's liberating for them because it simplifies life. At least it did for me. There's only two things that I really want. And as long as I can look at my life and make decisions like, is this leading to connection or understanding in any way? If the answer is no, then I'm probably like going to question, should I do it? If the answer is yes, then like, for sure, I'm doing this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And for a lot of people, it's a similar thing. They'll say like, I just want to be free and I want to be heard. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Do those like... Tell your story. Look for ways to freely express yourself, mm-hmm. and then maybe that leads to doing more artistic things, like whatever. But when people can do that, they, they boil down what they want to these very simplistic, often core, like two to four things. I've never heard someone rattle off a lot of stuff like mm-hmm. when they really do this. Like, who I am is just a person that wants to be free, person that wants to create, person that wants to do this, person wants to do this, and. I think that's helpful for for people it's to kind of good. knock yeah. the cobwebs off and the dust off of all these other roles that they find themselves playing that maybe they never wanted to play in the first place mm. they felt they had to because yeah. of the mask or because they were protecting themselves
0: yeah so i think my biggest barrier is like i think just my parts like lack of will to want to engage like they're just like so they'll, like they'll show up and they're like I don't want to talk to you <laughs> and so it's like but you just got to be like more curious and just be like well like you know like I know like you just have to like kind of keep asking them and engaging with mm. them because like yeah they don't really want to and, you know at least at first they're just like what are you doing here like we were fine on our own like we're doing our own thing it's like you're gonna come start everything up you're gonna come mess everything up it's like it's like well you know i'm just you know i'm just here to get to know you i'm not here to change you i'm not gonna like you kind of have to come with that mindset of like like you did nothing wrong i'm just i'm here to introduce myself it's kind of what we always talked about of like yeah like nothing's gonna change like i want to start a relationship with you I love that. just kind of yeah it's an interesting place but yeah like because you'll Go up to some part, and it like will just like kind of go away, and like my mind's eye, yeah. it's like there, and then I'll be like, oh hi, and it just like goes away. It's like, but I... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and sometimes they don't come back, and that's okay. It's like okay, that one wasn't ready, yeah. But it's like you just kind of put out there. It's like, hey, I'm gonna come back, yeah. and like maybe you'll talk to me next time because yeah. sometimes the parts aren't ready, and that's also okay. Like this isn't a you go in once and like hundreds of your parts show up and like they're all willing to have conversations with you. Some of them don't want to talk to you the no, first time <laughs> like, really and you got to come back and kind of be persistent and like be warm and inviting. And like, um, so in the book, no bad parts, there's like the eight C's that the self is. And it's like compassionate, caring, curious, and a whole bunch of other ones. It's, like, you kind of have to come as all of those. And if you're not, it's probably another manager that's running the show, yeah. either ideal yeah. Caleb or your perfectionist part. So it's like, if you're coming in
1: with an agenda, with an
0: agenda or something like this, or feel like you feel over analytical, I think if you're thinking too much about it, it's another part that's running the show. Like So for me, I have to get out of my head and like into my body as the self.
1: Holy shit, Dalen. Mm -hmm. Hearing you say that literally just soothed. (laughs) I don't know if it's soothing or not yet. I'm kind of still processing, (laughs) but it connected to what we were talking about upstairs before we recorded, like what I was going through. And that's a common place I go to is I overanalyze and call it and I'm thinking it's me it's not Mm -mm. me it's a manager yeah that's a manager yeah that's fucking
2: (laughs) don't you love that I love I actually think we should end on that yeah and I want to give I want to give that back to the people because I think it's really important what you said when you go to like when you go to talk to those parts of yourselves when you begin to do this work one of the first things you'd be like dog you did nothing wrong Mm mm-hmm you did nothing wrong you're okay mm-hmm. I'm just I want to hear you out mm-hmm. and a part of you, there's going to be a part of you that's like no fuck you I, you weren't there when I needed you Ooh.
0: yeah uh-huh. and you
2: have to take that yeah you have to listen to it you have to listen because it's angry and it's angry for like totally valid yeah. yeah it was like this person wasn't here for us this person wasn't here for us and you were supposed to be here for us and you weren't mm-hmm. and you're like yeah you know what I failed myself in that Absolutely, you're right.
1: Damn. Yeah, I'm having a moment. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But like, honestly, like, start the conversation with yourself. Like, hey, you did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. The things that happened to me shouldn't have happened, but they did. And I'm just here to. I've had to apologize some different parts of myself. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I'm, I'm here to say I'm sorry that I wasn't here for you when you needed me most, but I'm here now.
1: Yeah. that right there I'm here now so but I'm here now yeah that's like grace and self-forgiveness that's crazy. it's empowering to almost give your part the power to forgive
2: yourself mm-hmm. core self.
1: yeah we think that and I'm doing I do that a lot of here. I think I need to put this core self in control all the time mm mm-hmm. Sometimes the part needs to have the power to say, I forgive core for not being there. Mm-hmm. And that's empowering.
0: Yeah. yeah. I it humbles
1: the core self a little bit to be like, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you both kind of use, like, the conference table analogy, which I think is great. But, like, part of that analogy is, like, everyone gets to talk. And it's like, I'm going to listen to all of you and what you have to say I'm gonna take that into consideration and then I'm going to make the best decision. Yeah. You know? Because it's like as the self, I'm still in charge, you know, not the managers, not the exiles. Right. I'm gonna to listen to all of you and hear what you have to say. If you're pissed off at me, I'm gonna go, thank you for telling me. I will take that into advisory. I'm very sorry. Yeah. And then you're gonna hear the manager and be like, Well, he doesn't always talk about like, you know, you kinda of have to listen to all these different parts <laughs> and then yeah. go, Okay, what is actually going on? What needs to change? Because, you know, you can't listen to just one or two. You to listen to kinda of everybody at the yeah. table. Yeah. And, and and yeah, like what needs to change?
2: Sometimes nothing needs to change. Yes. Those parts of just yourself they just needed to be heard, yep. mm-hmm. and just by like simple saying, "Hey, you know what? Yes, I hear you." Boom, they're like, "All right, cuz I'm out." I just that's needed, I needed that's all I needed. Yeah. I just <laughs> needed to feel heard and seen. Yeah, yeah. Wow.
0: Mm.
2: And then that part of, that part of you because um, sure. usually like they're just like, "All right, cool. I'm, I'm at the table. I'm here when you need me." Man. Guys, this was a great conversation.
1: Um, thank you to Dalen for opening up your house, your home to us and letting us come and create in your basement. Uh listeners, please take your time with this one, dissect it, sit with it. We covered a lot of stuff. Uh it was pretty esoteric at times, Mm -hmm. pretty pretty deep at times. So be patient as you sift through it. Share this with a friend, a loved one who you think could benefit. And we'll be linking uh, a link to the the song that Mookie talked about, we'll link to the internal family systems wheel, and we'll put a really great resource, um, No Bad Parts by Dr. Richard Schwartz, all in the show notes so that people who are intrigued by this work can kind of continue on their own terms and and unpack it some more. So as always, new episodes will be coming out make sure you like share subscribe to the podcast Uh, we really appreciate you all and until next time we've been the men's wellness collective take care of yourselves and we will talk to you all soon